My friends, today we celebrate what we, for so, so many weeks, we longed for. We longed to receive what many still throughout the Universal Church, and some even locally because of uh, the fears of the coronavirus, still are longing for. Today, we celebrate the solemnity, the most holy body and blood of Christ, Corpus Christi. Today, we celebrate with great solemnity a central mystery of our faith, that Jesus Christ, his body, blood, soul, and divinity becomes present on to here in a few moments. That he, God himself, then remains present in the tabernacle of our church, in every Catholic church for our prayer and adoration. That the entire substance of the bread, the entire substance of the wine will be placed on this altar, will be transubstantiated, changed at the level of their substance into God himself, his body and blood. Today we celebrate communion. Today we celebrate the deep and intimate union with our Creator that He desires to have with us. This, my friends, is what we celebrate today and really every day, the source and summit of our faith. You know, but there is a great temptation, I think, to try to explain a mystery that is really impossible to understand, impossible for our finite minds to wrap itself around. For we know that Jesus told us what happens here on this altar in a few moments. It's in today's gospel. He says, the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. My flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. You know, if we were reading this gospel, not in English, but in its original tongue, we would see that the language the Lord was using was becoming more and more graphic. It was, he was using words that connoted like chewing and gnawing. There was no, uh, what was clear, he was not using symbolic language. But there is a temptation to want to know how this happens. People ask back in the time of our Lord, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? You know, I think not much has changed really in 2,000 years. Contemporary society still likes to ask these how questions. They're not bad questions, I suppose. It's not wrong to turn to science for answers. But there are things that science cannot uh, explain. They're called miracles. How is the wrong question? A better question, perhaps, is why? And I hope and pray, my friends, you already know the answer to that why question. Because God loves you. Because God loves me. And he desires to have incredible, unimaginable, really, intimacy with us. An intimacy, frankly, that we all seek.
and intimacy that he desires to have with all of us, this need that's built really into our very nature. Yet I think there can be a tendency to think that this mystery of God is incomprehensible. It is therefore transcendent. It seems out there, inaccessible to us, and therefore anything but intimate. But today's readings demonstrate, in part, the great love and intimacy that God desires to have with us, that he does have with us. Deuteronomy, from that first reading, reminds us that after these chosen people were freed, free from slavery in Egypt, their story is our story. That God fed them in the desert with bread from heaven. He fed them with manna. And he brought forth water from the rock to quench their natural thirsts. And he healed them from poisonous seraph serpents, from these scorpions. God was so active, and he remained so active in the church. But my friends, he wasn't done in the desert. He continued to be active. So active, in fact, that he entered into his creation in the incarnation about 2,000 years ago. That he endured his passion, death, and resurrection for us. That he ascended into heaven. Not to leave us alone, but to ascend in the sacraments that we celebrate here in this Holy Mass. That he and the Father sent their spirit to guide the church who remains active. God desires to be even more active in our life, more loving and intimate. The gospel speaks of this. How? Well, by giving us his flesh to eat for the life of the world. You know, the seminarian was telling me about some of the fruit of his prayer this morning on this gospel. And he was so right in recognizing that over and over again in today's gospel, over and over throughout, really, this bread of life discourse in John chapter 6, the Lord speaks of life. This is why he's giving us himself in the Eucharist. He's giving us his flesh and blood so that we will have life, that we will have it more abundantly here and now, and that his desire is for us to have life with him in eternity. This is about life. But many that heard these words tried to understand how he was going to do this, and in doing so, they failed to comprehend why. The God himself, the God of love and mercy, standing right in front of them, and they tried to understand how he would do this. All he wanted them to know was why he does. They failed to recognize the great intimacy Jesus was inviting them into. You know, a couple of verses after what we have in today's gospel says, well, some of the people then said, this saying is hard. Who can accept it? My friends, of course this saying is hard. We can only accept it in grace. We can only accept it in faith. We must embrace that gift of faith. It would go on later to say, as a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. Of course, the inspired word of God didn't have chapter headings. It didn't have verses. Those were assigned later by the church. But I find it so interesting that the church 
assign particular numbers to that particular verse. John 6, verse 66. 666. You know, the devil hates the Eucharist. The devil hates the transformation in us that it, that it uh, does. As a result of this, many of his disciples return to their former way of life and no longer accompany him. I don't think that's an accident. That verse is 666. My friends, Jesus could have run after those that could not accept that they must eat his flesh and blood to have eternal life. If he were only using symbolic language, if he was only uh, intending this to be a metaphor for his flesh and blood, if he understood, and he would have, that they simply misunderstood him, would it not have been wrong for him to not go after them, to, to correct their misunderstanding? But that's not what happens here in today's gospel. And he did not correct them because they did not misunderstand. In fact, he did the opposite. He doubled down. And he asked those that remained a question. He asked the same question, frankly, to all of us. Do you also want to leave? You know, my friends, I pray we respond through grace and in great faith the way Peter did. Master, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. The Holy One of God. We've tried the world. It's failed us over and over again. Let's try grace. Let's try the infinite love and mercy of God. You know, the great mystery of the Holy Eucharist does require that act of faith. This act of faith is a gift. Faith is a gift. And because our senses are fooled, it will still look like bread and wine. And so many, perhaps, will struggle to believe. My friends, if we are amongst those that struggle to believe, simply act as if we do believe. Receive with reverence. Change our postures to be more upright, to be kneeling with more reverence. Spend time preparing. Spend time later adoring the Eucharistic Lord. Say that beautiful prayer of the Gospels. Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Many do struggle to understand and believe this great mystery. You know, so sadly, 69% of Catholics believe the Eucharist, what we celebrate today, to be only a symbol. And I'm so edified by many of you. Our pastor is so generous, opening our church to the uh, adoration throughout most of the hours, frankly, of the week. And you, many of you, are so generous in spending so many hours here before the Eucharistic Lord. You do understand. Well, you don't understand, perhaps, but you do believe. And you spend hours here knowing that it is here on our knees that the Lord helps us find peace. And I think much of the unbelief in the Eucharist says, and believing it to be only a symbol comes from ignorance because they were poorly, so many were poorly catechized. 
Not surprising, the statistics show us that those that come to Mass more frequently are those that believe. That's not surprising. No wonder our world is a hot mess. But my friends, we do have work to do. Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. You know, reflecting on this great mystery, the great gift that is the key, really, to all that ails us. Not only will we receive the infinite God here in the most blessed sacrament and in a beautiful way be united with him, but we'll have the opportunity to truly, as the body of Christ, be united with each other. This is the gift that Paul was talking about in the second reading. The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because the loaf of bread is one. We, though many, are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. We can have union as a society. It is the remedy for all our societal woes. It's the remedy, really, for all uh, that ails the church at times. My friends, every one of us are called to love God and to love our neighbor. This is what we have all been called to do. If you want to love God, he is right there. And he's going to become right here in a few moments. He is there. Spend some time with him. Spend some time with him. If you want to end racial injustice, if you want to find peace in all the other areas of your life, start here. Start there in the pews on our knees. Allow him in that Eucharistic face to gaze upon you and transform you, transform me, and reveal to us, to make clear to us how he wants to use every last one of us as an instrument of love and mercy, a vehicle to bring about peace in the world that so desperately needs it. My friends, how will we respond to the grace, this invitation that the Lord is giving us today, this invitation to intimate friendship that he desires to have with us? Will we think it too transcendent and keep him at arm's length, not reflecting on this incredible mystery, not being changed by it? Or we allow him to go deeper, allow ourselves to go deeper, to speak to him in intimate and generous prayer today and throughout the week. Will we visit him? Will we come back throughout the week and visit him in the Eucharistic Lord in our tabernacles throughout our diocese, where he does seek our friendship, where he does desire our time? Will we invite him into the deepest recesses of our hearts and minds today and always as we prepare to receive him and then express our love for him and our desire for intimacy with him by literally turning our lives over to him in abandonment? Do this and more, my friends, and I promise we will all find peace. We will all find joy. We will all be truly fulfilled as human persons and be transformed by his grace. We will find that abundant life and please God, eternal life for which we seek. What good is it? What good would it be that bread and wine change 
into the body and blood of Christ if we do not change more perfectly into his image and likeness. May God be praised in our response today. May he be praised in our response always. Our peace and joy is counting on it. But so is the world's peace. Amen.